My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and I'm excited to be with you as we are uh, wrapping up our series today on the Shema. Uh, and if you've been with us, you know, uh, hopefully you've been challenged, maybe spurred on to dig a little bit deeper uh, in God's Word. Uh, you know, oftentimes we, we come to things like the Shema, and we read it in the English language, and, and there's a lot of depth and meaning in the words uh, in their original form, specifically in Hebrew. And, and so hopefully this hasn't just been uh, another series for you. This has been something that maybe you have uh, tried to dig deeper in. <clears throat> and uh, if you're visiting with us today and jumping into the series uh, just for the first week this week, uh, we have all of our past messages and resources online at PursueGod.org, and uh, we'd love for you to go back <clears throat> and be challenged by those things. You can uh, do it in a, a small group or maybe with a mentor, even your family members. Uh, we would love for you to do that. And so uh, the Shema, if you remember, is uh, kind of this declaration, if you will. It's a pledge of allegiance. Uh, Moses gave this, God gave this to Moses to give to his people, uh, and it was really a, a charge to them, how to love God, how to be in relationship with God, and how it would impact their lives, and how they would live those things out. And so, uh, again, if you've been we, uh, with us, you know that we've been looking at the Old Testament words uh, that were breaking down the English form into the Hebrew, and uh, we're on our final word today. Before we jump into that, let's jump into uh, reading this together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, we can read along together here. It's, listen, O Israel, or hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And so today we are going to be looking at that last word, strength, and we're really going to dig into the meaning of that word, strength. Uh, the word that we're going to be looking into is meod. And so that word, strength, translate translated is meod, and if you remember, uh, as we've kind of gone along, we've been taking those specific words, I'll get back to you, and, and uh, the Shema actually comes from that first word listen, or hear, and so when we hear the word Shema, we know that it's not just to listen to these words, but if you were with us week one, it's to apply them, it's to really pay attention, and so Moses starts out by saying, listen, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you, because this is important. Uh, we jumped into the Lord, and we see that uh, God is the only God, the one true God, and that, that we're to worship him and to worship him alone. And then we jumped into love, and, and right, love isn't something that I just receive, it's demonstrated. I give love back. And so then the next few words that we've done, we've seen how, how to do that with our heart, our soul, and today we're going to be looking at our strength. And so let me first start out by giving you kind of a, a, the context of what's going on here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, you may have heard this in weeks past, uh, but this is Moses. He has led Israel, God's people, from uh, a time of slavery and oppression, and they had just left the exodus. And what was supposed to take them just a couple of weeks to get to their promised land, it took them some 40 years. And so here they are getting ready to enter into the promised land, the, the land that God has given them, and Moses is giving them uh, really like the biggest pep talk or, uh, you know, I had a high school coach that was just really loud and obnoxious, but he used to give these like really great pregame speeches. This is what he's doing. He's saying, listen, what I'm about to tell you is important, and this isn't just to listen to, but it's to be applied to in your life. And so I'm rallying you, I'm calling you, I'm helping you understand how important it is to have a fulfilled life 
Oh, you can't hear what I said. Sorry about that. I my watch. But uh, <laughs> really, you're listening. Okay, so as, as I'm calling you and charging you into this, this is the way to live the life that God has created for you. A life of fulfillment, of joy, of passion, a life of uh, fruit, a, a life of being connected with God. And so here's the point that he's trying to get across before they enter into their new land, to their new culture, to their new environment. He's saying, God has got to be your everything. God has to be your everything. Everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you breathe, you think, you feel, your actions, your thoughts, your desires, your relationships, everything need to be in line with the one true God. And so the question is, uh, where are you at in your spiritual journey today? You know, some of us coming in today, maybe uh, this is our first time here. And my, my hope for you is that you would listen to these words, and it wouldn't just be, uh, you know, religion or just words from the Bible that you would say, how can this apply to my life? Maybe you are a Christian and you've been living for God. How, how do I take God's word and apply it to my life? How do I read the Shema? How do I read these words that God gives me, and how do I let them penetrate my heart and change my life? And so ask yourself, as, and this is maybe my challenge for the next 25 or so minutes as we go through this, does God impact every part of your life? Let me ask that again. Does God impact every part of my life? Or do I go to church on Sunday, one hour of the week, and then you know, Monday through Saturday is me? Monday through Saturday is my time. You know, I love God here uh, at church for an hour or maybe even another hour midweek or at my small group, but when I'm outside of those environments, it's all about me. I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live. You know, God, I want to honor you in this area of my life, but this area I really want to hold on to. God, this area I, I really want to be mine. You know, I, I have to work and I have relationships and I have all of these things. God, those are mine, uh, but Sunday is yours. Or... Is it that you say, God, everything that I am, my life, my time, my talent, my treasure, my relationships, is it all filtered through you, through you, God? And so as we kind of break through this, you know, I think what Moses is, is saying here is he's saying, listen, Israel, God wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. And when you do, when you give him everything, when you're in relationship with him and you give him your all, it's in that moment you can have a fulfilled life. It's in that moment you can experience life, the life that God has given every single one of us. And so he's saying, please understand this. Love God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. You know, I think the, the charge from Moses is this the same to Israel as it is to us today. And I think what we need to consider is that Deuteronomy 6 applies to every part of our life, not just Sunday, not just the spiritual part of our life, not just the relationship with God part of our life. A relationship with God encompasses all that we are. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask that you would do what only you can do through the power of your Holy Spirit and your word. 
God, would you penetrate our hearts? Would you challenge us? Would you convict us? Would you open up our hearts and our minds to receive what it is that you have for us, God, through your word? God, would you bring to the surface some of the things that maybe we're holding on to that we need to give to you, Father, to say that you are in control of all things? And God, when we do that, would we experience a peace that surpasses all of our own human understanding in everything that we do, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So let's, let's jump in and we're going to pull uh, what I think are some truths out of this word maod, out of this word strength. And the first is this. The Hebrew word for strength doesn't uh, apply or refer to muscle power. Instead, it's much more like muchness. Uh, very, a lot. And so this word is used to elevate another part of another word. You know, I think what happens is uh, when it comes to English, we read the English and we know what that word is. And so we think automatically when it says to love God with our strength, that means that we do it with our what? Our muscle power, right? Our willpower, we think of uh, someone who is, you know, strong and someone who is buff and someone who's at the gym. And the one person that I think about this is your campus pastor, Eric. He's not in here, right? So this, this is the truth. On staff, Eric is like the Fabio without hair, right? So... Like, he's the buff guy, and he's the one that's always talking about working out and, and eating right and all of these things. But this, it's, this strength, this word mayod, isn't that. It isn't muscle power. It isn't strength. Instead, it's something much more different. This word is used to modify or to enlighten another word. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I thought English was pretty hard. Like, we know English because we speak it, but if you've ever, like, got into English, I have an eighth grader. He's been bringing home English homework. Thank God for Google, right? Like, because I am definitely not an English teacher. I'm really good at math, though. Like, that's my thing. But when it comes to English, there's all these rules and all of these crazy things. And now we thought English was crazy. Well, now we're looking at this word and thinking this is a modifier. Let me give you an example of what this is. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says, then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was mayod good. He saw that it was very good. So we know in creation, God created the heavens and the earth, right? He created the, the sun, the moon, and the stars. He created uh, the earth and all that was in it. Uh, he created the amazing animals and all of these things. And after every single day, God said what? It is good, right? He said it's good. But on the very last uh, part of creation, the very last thing that God did is he saved uh, mankind. He created man in his image. It was his most prized possession. And what he did here is he uses this word mayod, and he says it is mayod good. It is very good. So it's this idea that it's a modifier. It brings the idea of muchness or more or very or a lot. Uh, we see it again in Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. And it's not just with the good things, it's actually with negative things as well. It says, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain mayod angry, or very angry, and he looked dejected. And so that same word that we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the same idea or word that we're seeing here in the idea of very, or more, or much, uh, Genesis chapter 30, verse 43 is a, another uh, way that we see this. As a result, Jacob became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels 
and donkeys. He was mayoed wealthy. And so you see, the, the word that they're using here doesn't mean strong. It means much. It means more. It means plenty. It means so many things. Like uh, when we look at this word in the Old Testament, that word mayod or very is used some 150 times in the Old Testament. And it's this idea that it's much, it's more, it's, uh, I mean, it's, I'm at a loss for words. It's, it's muchness. It's just so much. And so when we look at this idea where God says, love me with all of your strength, he's basically saying, give me much. Give me everything. Give me very. Give me all that you are. And so it's not, I just want your willpower or your actions. I want everything. So let's dig into this a little bit more uh, as, as, as we get in. We're, we're going somewhere with this. But I, I believe our next point is that strength also means what you trust in or rely on. You see, what we've been doing is we've been looking at God's word and we've been taking the English form and we've been going to the original language that it was translated in, in Hebrew. Uh, but there was also many other translations through time. One was Greek. Uh, there's also uh, in the New Testament Aramaic. And, and so this word, mayod, is used in different uh, ideas, in different translations in these languages. Let me give you an example when Greek-speaking scholars translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, when they got to Deuteronomy chapter 6, or when they got to the Shema, and they get to this word meod, what they translated it as is power. And so uh, I think when you think of muscle strength, we do get an idea of power, right? But it's deeper than that. It's a, it's a spiritual power. It's a heavier power. In fact, we see an example of this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says, but you will receive mayod, or you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus, what he's doing is he is talking about the power that is going to come through the form of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying that there's this spiritual thing that's going to happen, that I'm leaving you for this time, I'm going to heaven, but the Holy Spirit is going to come, and that's going to be me in spirit, and I'm going to be inside of you, and I'm going to give you mayod, I'm going to give you power. And so we can look at this and we can say, oh, okay, so what you're saying here is that this idea of strength means that when I'm in relationship with you, God, I have the power to love you and to love others, and we'll talk about that. Uh, the next way we see this in Arama the Aramaic language, uh, Aramaic was uh, what the Jewish people spoke in Palestine at the time of Jesus. Uh, many believe that Aramaic was actually the, the language that Jesus spoke. And so when they come to this word, mayod, and specifically in Deuteronomy chapter six, they translated it for the word of wealth, of wealth. Here's an example of that in Matthew chapter 6. It says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. It says, You cannot serve God and be enslaved to maod, to money. Now, you might be thinking, okay, this is, this is crazy, right? Like, so you're talking about there's a little bit of power. There, you know, it's not really muscle strength. It's muchness. It's very, it's more. And now you're talking about money, 
right? Well, we're not going to talk a lot about money, but I think it's interesting that this word, the idea of money, uh, money, I think for many of us is what makes the world go, right? Like, think about this. We go to work because we want money. Uh, money is what pays our bills. Money is what, uh, you know, we want to put away so that we can have a, a nice retirement or we can give money to our, our children. Uh, you know, money is this thing that kind of drives us. And so when we begin to think of money being this, this thing that, that takes a hold of us, that is this overarching thing in our life, it's interesting that that word is translated as wealth. Because what it's saying is, is that when we come to this, money encompasses a lot of things. And God wants everything. Love the Lord your God with all your strength is the same as love God with your wealth, too. So again, meod means, it means very. Uh, it can also be translated as strength and power and wealth. And if you're like me, you're like, okay, this is confusing. That's okay. We're going to get into it right here. Here's what I mean by that. Because in Aramaic, when, when we read that word wealth, it literally means basically everything that we are. It's what a person trusts in. It's what a person values. If you have power, you trust in it. If you have wealth, you trust in it. And so when we come to the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to love God with all of our mayod, it means that we literally give him everything. Every single bit, everything that we draw on in our life, whatever empowers us, whatever drives us, is saying, God, we give this to you. God, to love you with everything that I am, to love you with all of my mayo, it means that I give you everything that I have. So here's where we're going with this. I think the most important lesson when, when interpreting this word from the Shema or when looking at this word mayo, we, we can see it from Jesus himself. And I think that really leads us to our last point. It's this, is that all the abundance of our life, every part of our life, our time, our talent, our treasure, so, you know, the things that we do with our time, the, the giftings that we have that God's equipped us with, our money, all of those things offers us a chance to honor God and to love others. You know, uh, there are a couple times in the New Testament where Jesus actually uses the Shema. Both times that he, he does this, he's uh, teaching people. And uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they're trying to, to catch Jesus and manipulate what he's seeing. In fact, they're trying to catch him in heresy. And they were always around looking to see what he was doing and, and who, what day he was doing it on. Was it on the Sabbath? Was what he was doing right? Was what he's saying right? And they were just waiting. They were waiting to get him. And Jesus, every single time, he always did what was right. And listen, one time they asked him, they said, God, or if you say, Jesus, you say you're the son of God. You say that you're this. What is the most important commandment in all of the Bible? What is, or what is the most important commandment? They didn't have the Bible then, but they had parts of it. But what is the most important command that comes from God? And you know what Jesus said? Jesus used the Shema. He said, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, or your mayod. You know, and I think this helps us understand how we should 
be following God, how we should be loving God. You know, we don't just say we love God and don't have actions. You know, I shared this um, with a couple of our campuses, and I think it's such a, a good analogy, and it's the truth. My wife and I, we've been married for about 16 years. Uh, nothing but rainbows and butterflies. Anybody in here married? Can I get an amen, right? Like marriage, oh, it's just the greatest thing ever, right? There's no problems ever. You'll be married one day. I see you back there. But, so, my, 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 uh, my wife, I mean, I love her to death. I married up big time. Guys, if you're married in here, the Bible says that if you find a wife, you find a really good thing. And we've all married up. Women, can I get an amen, right? Like, we, we married up. Now, I really, really married up. And I, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm opposite of Eric. Eric said that he's, like, not very emotional. I'm the other side of that. I'm, like, the most emotional guy on the planet Earth. And uh, my wife's a lot like Eric. So I'm a feeler. She's a thinker. And, you know, I, I was preparing this message a few weeks ago, and I was preparing it on love, and I was just thinking to myself, man, I, I really, really love my wife. Like, th- no joke, there are times where even now, 16 years later, uh, through everything that we've been through, like, my heart will skip a beat just thinking about my wife. I, I mean, I, I love her. I'm married up. She's everything to me. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to ask my wife if she feels the same way about me in a text. And I'm going to tell you what she, this is, this is, I copied this. This is what she said. I said, you get the warm fuzzies for me when you think about how much I love, or you love me. And that's how she feels about me over here. That's not a lot of love in there, right? That's how my wife feels about me. But here's, here's the thing, you know, I can tell my wife that I love her. But if I don't show her in demonstration and the way I act, the way I treat her, the way I communicate with her, the way that I lead my kids, uh, the way that I provide for the home, I can tell her I love her, but if I don't do those things, do I really love her at all? You know, I, I can say, when I think about my wife, my heart skips a beat, but if I treat her with disrespect or the way that I live my life doesn't honor her, am I demonstrating my love for my wife? You know, and I, and I think it's the same for God. You know, have you ever heard that uh, actions speak louder than words, right? I mean, we've, we've all heard that, right? And it's so true. Actions speak louder than words. And so I can say, God, I love you, but how am I living my life? God, I love you here in this moment, in this situation, in this circumstance, but God, in this one, that's mine, now, I, I, God, I love you on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, that, that's me time. God, I love you with this, but not with that. God, I love you in this relationship, but not really in this relationship. This one's mine. God, I, I love you with all of my strength, my heart, my soul, but Lord, this addiction that I have, I'm going to hold on to that because it feels good. And you see, if we don't demonstrate to God that he has all of us, Monday through Sunday, every moment of every day, every relationship, every moment of work, every amount of money that we have, everything that we have is a gift from God, and we're just managers of those things, if I don't live my life in a way that demonstrates to him that he is my everything, do I really love God at all? And that's just a question that, that I, I, I've personally had to ask myself. God, do I demonstrate with my giving that I love you? I mean, it's hard. It's hard when it comes to, you know, the, you get the paycheck and you're beginning to look at the bills and you think, oh my gosh, like bills are a little bit crazy. But God asks me to give first. God, do I love you enough to give? I mean, that's just money. 
But God, it's everything. God, in this relationship, God, the way that I'm leading my kids, God, uh, the moments that you give me at school to stand up for what's right amongst uh, all the things that are going wrong, God, it, when you give me the, the opportunities to stand up when people are gossiping, or God, when you give me the opportunities to speak the truth and to love into people or to tell people about you, am I doing those things? Am I demonstrating to you, God, that you have complete control of my life? God, do you have every single part of me? Do you have my money? Do you have my relationships? Do you have, you know, my relationship with you? God, do you have my time and my treasure and my talent? Because listen, our actions speak louder than words. If I'm not using my gifts, am I honoring God? If I'm not, you know, using you know, my relationship with other people to tell people about Jesus, am I showing God how much he means to me? You know, God isn't interested in lip service. God isn't interested in lukewarm faith. God wants every single part of us. You know, this has been something that's been extremely challenging to me, uh, just me personally. You know, I shared this last service, and, you know, I think for a pastor, it's easy because you have relationships, spiritual relationships with people, and you can get into conversations, and oftentimes those conversations lead to spirituality, and, and you can counsel and all of these things. But what am I doing as a pastor outside of Sunday? You know, and, and I, if I'm honest with you, I've had to really look at this in my life, and my wife and I have had to really investigate this in our lives because it's easy just to get caught up in doing church. But you know what? I have Monday through Saturday where I am engaging with people all of the time. And have I been living a life that honors God? Have I been pointing people to Jesus? Have my actions demonstrated who is in control of me? You know, we, uh, we do a lot of sports and, and we do a lot of things. And so we, we have interactions with lots of people and parents. And you know, it's so easy for us to just disengage and just, you know, get into the game. But in reality, God has given us those relationships to point people to him. And I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. I want God's word to challenge you as well. In your relationships, in your home relationships, dads, are you leading your wives and your kids to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? You know, young person in high school, in junior high school, is your life demonstrating that you love Jesus with everything that you have? Or are you just fitting in? I mean, think about that for just a moment. Are you a world changer or are you a world follower? You know, dads in your relationships or spouses in your relationships, am I honoring my wife more than I'm honoring myself? Like, all, does my relationship, God, impact every single part of me? Does it transform my week? Does it get a hold of what I'm going to do with my finances? Does it impact everything that I am? You know, I think Moses was saying, look, this is important. It's you and God. Your relationship is with you and God. But if you read the latter part of the Shema in verses 6 all the way through 9, uh, the Shema actually says that it's living to honor God, but it's also pointing people to Jesus. That's a responsibility we have. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, the last thing that Jesus said before he went to heaven, and he said, one day I'll be back. But in the meantime, what I want you to do is I want you to go and make disciples I want you to tell as many people about Jesus as you possibly can. You see, every single one of us have a relationship or relationships or family members or we have people in our life that need to hear about Jesus. And the way that we show God that we love him, yes, we give him all of us. 
But a way that that is demonstrated in action is that we point other people to him. That's our responsibility. If you're, a, if you're a Christ follower in this room, it's our responsibility to point people to Jesus with the way we live our lives, with the way we communicate, with the things that we say in evangelistic moments that God gives us, the way we lead our kids, our family. All of that is a way that we demonstrate to God that we love him. You see, Jesus actually said this when he was challenged. He said, listen, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The Shema, absolutely, that is an important commandment. But he said, listen, there's something that is just as important. And this is something that we've shared over the last three or four weeks because loving God with our heart, it points people to Jesus. Loving God with our soul points people to Jesus. Loving God with our strength points people to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying, he says, there's something that is equally as important. Now, not, not saying that your relationship with God isn't the most important thing. That's a spiritual relationship. But he's saying something that you demonstrate in action is equally as important, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> now listen, we... We love us, don't we? We love me some me. I mean, have you ever heard of that saying? I love me some me. I'm going to take care of myself. I feed myself. I bathe myself. My son bathes himself every three days. He's a junior hire. Like, we, we take care of ourselves, right? We brush our teeth, hopefully. Like, we take care of ourselves. We, we, we want the best for us. And you know what? What does this say? It says, love your neighbor as yourself, so the care that we take and demonstrate to us, the, the, the love that we have for ourselves, the things that we do to, to, to take care of us is the same way that God wants us to love other people. Now, that's a challenge. Are we doing that? Are we just going through the motions or are we really truly pointing people to Jesus? The way that we love God is we love him with everything that we have, but it's also to tell people about him to tell, him, tell people about a relationship that comes with God. You see, Moses was telling the Israelites, they're getting ready to take their land, the promised land. And he's saying, look, we're, we're moving from bondage and slavery to freedom, but don't get in bondage and slavery again. The way that you will experience freedom is to follow the Shema, is to love God with everything that you have. And when you do that, you can love other people as you love yourself God will take every part of you when you do those things. Now, I want to end the message in the series really with an invitation. You know, every, everyone in this room is on a spiritual journey, and wherever you are, I want to encourage you to take the next step. Maybe today you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we're separated from God because of sin, that sin is a chasm that separates us. But you see, God isn't, a, he's not a judgmental, condemning God. In fact, when sin entered the world, he made a way for us to have a relationship with him again, and that was through Jesus. Not good works, not good deeds, not your actions, not the things that you say. The only thing is a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says in, in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved. If you've never done that, then we want to give you the opportunity to have that relationship with him. Maybe you have, and there's things in your life that you're saying, God, I need to give to you. I need to give you my time, my treasure, my talent, my addictions, my relationships. I need, to, I need to lay something, God, at your feet today so that you can have complete control of my life and in everything that I do. Let's pray.
Father, I, I thank you that your word is challenging, it's convicting. God, I thank you that, that you do it not to, to put a wedge in between us and you, but God, you do it so it would draw us nearer to you. God, bring to the surface the things that are causing separation or, or that we've uh, idolized or put above you in our life. And God, may we lay those at your feet and say, God, we want you to have everything. God, would I go about every moment of my day filtering my life through the hands of your word and my relationship with you. And will we all do that in this place, Father God. In your name we pray, amen.